when somebody comes to you and says, listen, you got to make sure that you have all this documentation in place. You have all the ability to, to outline cash flow projections for your business. This is something that those businesses don't have readily available. So this is really an opportunity for the financial advisor to be incredibly valuable in their community, to bring these types of resources to their business owner clients because they need it. Welcome to the Next Level Advisor podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us. For over a decade, our team at the Pinnacle Group has noticed a growing need amongst financial advisors for innovative, comprehensive ways of growing their practices. While there's no shortage of prepackaged services or programs that claim to immediately increase your revenue, we want to discuss creative business strategies that can position new opportunities for the financial advisor today. These are immediate, relevant ideas and concepts that we've seen create actual results. Over the coming episodes, we'll be joined by a number of exciting guests who can help advisors create new revenue streams and discover fresh opportunities for their clients. So we hope that you'll tune in. For today's discussion, we're focusing on some very critical steps that your business owner clients may need to make in today's environment. With new conditions and updates regarding SBA loans, many business owners are unsure of their next steps. In response, Jason Borek, Pinnacle's Chief Distribution Officer, connected with Doug Mueller, President of Mueller Prost, to gain some of his highly valued perspective on this topic. Doug, first of all, number one, great to be with you today. Great as always. Great we, to be we, here, Jason. We are richly, richly blessed by our partnership with you guys. and We feel and, the same uh, way. We were kind of, before the recording started here, for everybody that's listening, we were kind of touching on Okay, we are in the environment of the bouncing ball, right? I mean, yep. it is just all over the place. And, you know, this this whole situation around the CARES Act, specifically around the loans, the PPP loans, yeah. and the things that have hit the hit, that kind of hit this marketplace, it's just so interesting. You know, when we we had the first conversation with you guys, we we were a part of you did a um national event for all your clients and yep. you're gracious enough to have us a part of that to allow our distribution to be a part of that. And, you know, I came away from that call going, you know, boy, this is clear as mud. And, and that's right. And, and, you know, so Doug, I mean, you, you were just starting to touch on this, but if you can go a little bit into kind of what this whole kind of landscape has, what's happened here in the, in the space of the PPP loan and what it means for companies, you were just touching on. Well, let's go back what the purpose of the loan was for. It's, it's called the Paycheck Protection Program. And it was meant to keep people employed during a very uncertain period of time where an employer's knee-jerk reaction, and not unnecessarily so, would have been to lay people off. You know, and, and if you wouldn't have had this, would that person have been able to go, on, go to the bank and borrow money and maybe against with a personal guarantee, no doubt, with uh, maybe putting his house up further in debt? to pay out payroll for people maybe sitting around and doing nothing. And, and the answer to that is probably a lot of people wouldn't have done that and would have chosen probably to lay people off. So the payroll protection program, you know, was put in to keep people from laying people off. So that was the backdrop. And it was meant for small businesses under 500 but they had a loophole in there and they said, but it's by location if you're in the restaurant or hospitality industry. So we had some publicly traded companies like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and some Shake and all these other restaurant chains. And the major publicly traded restaurant chains were getting PPP loans. Well, let's think about that, Jason. They got access to the public capital market. 
They're probably they're probably adequately capitalized. I don't know. I haven't looked at their financials, but that raised a public uproar like, hey, that's not fair. And so the Treasury Secretary came out and said, publicly traded companies, we're going to probably go after you unless you give the money back. And we're going to give you to X date to give the money back. And then they said, you know, May 7th. And this was over two and a half weeks ago. And then they came out and said, hedge funds and private equity funds, if you're involved with the businesses, you're not eligible either. So, and then they privately called school endowments, private schools that had endowments and said, if you've got an endowment of any size and you're taking this money, go get your endowment money and give us this money back. So people have been given money back on the schools. But what really happened, most of us, Jason, most of our advisors in our network we're talking about today, we advise privately closely held clients. These are the business owners that sweat of the brow, you know, small businesses to medium-sized business, businesses, even large, they can qualify for this loan. But now on April 27th, the SBA updated their FAQ guidelines and said, oh, by the way, all people that got this loan need to certify that obtaining this loan was necessary to continue operations, was necessary. So due to the economic uncertainty. And so that, and then they were going to say you had until May 7th to decide whether or not you were going to give the money back. And if you don't, there's million dollars of penalties and possibly up to 30 year in criminal jail time to do this. Well, this, this is just some shockwaves to everybody. What do we do? How do we do this? And so first of all, to me, most clients had two or three days before May, May 7th to figure out what to do, which was just crazy. So they came out on May 6th and said, we now have until May 14th. Now I want to stress everybody in our audience, wherever you got your loan with your bank, if you are thinking about giving the money back on the PPP loan, don't wait till the 14th to contact your bank. You better contact them two or three days ahead of time because they have to give the money back, not you. And they got to give the money back by the 14th. And banks aren't just going to sit there and wait for your phone call so they can turn around and pay your money back to the SBA. So first of all, that's, that's number one. But number two, let's go into this. What's necessary? And you know, necessary sounds vital. Let me make a couple of comments. When you look at the history of the court cases and the doctrine, the tax law, most of our operating expenses we deduct for you taxpayers is done on ordinary necessary expense. Now, that doesn't mean it had to be vital. Maybe I took Jason out to lunch that day. Could my business have survived had I not take Jason out to lunch that day? Yeah, probably. But necessary means in court cases and tax law that's a, that it's a good alternative. Doesn't mean that's the only alternative. Could you have survived COVID-19 without the loan? Maybe, maybe not. Is it a good alternative? And do you, and this is another big thing, do you have to consider your personal finance, finances to decide whether or not you're adequately capitalized? And the answer is no. This was a non-recourse loan. Here's your, so you can get a loan that's non-recourse. If they wanted to say this was recourse and you had to put up your house and all your personal investments, would you have thought about obtaining this loan or any loan differently? Well, of course you would. 
I would. Uh, so you, it's a non-recourse loan. The PPP loans, non-recourse. Here's what you all need to do. Document where your business is right now and put together cash flow projections for your business. How are you doing? And we, we usually do, uh, we usually do Jason worst case, medium, best case. We do three alternatives and we update those. And what I would say to our audience today is document the timeline. Where are you at now? And, you know, let, let's, let's take some of our clients. Some of our clients are in the construction business and they're bleeding off some backlog. That's pretty good. So some of my clients in the construction business right now, they're still doing okay. But guess what's happening to their backlog? It's, it's, it's going away. So not in eight weeks will they, be, they necessarily be bad, but it's looking like in 12 to 16 weeks, they're going to be bad. So that's what we need to consider in all this is that it's not just the eight weeks. So you need to show, you need to document in your files why this loan was advantageous for you right now, why it helped you keep your people. And by the way, that's another thing. Look at all the uncertainty. We're trying to open up businesses again. There's uncertainty in how much COVID could spread again. You could lose key people. And by the way, if you had taken the loan and laid off key people, would you have lost some of your key people to competition? I mean, we're talking to a, a partner from another firm that was laid off that we would have never talked to had this COVID-19 hadn't happened. They laid her off and she's a gem. Well, they're going to lose her probably because we're. It looks like we're going to hire her, and that's what. What key people could you lose? You have got to document and talk to your banker. Keep in touch with your banker on all this about the loan forgiveness. And Jason, that's by the way, that's that's a discussion we'll have at a later date. But we still do not have detailed guidelines on loan forgiveness from the SBA. We've got the statute, which is written very poorly but we don't have a lot of detailed guidelines yet. Yeah, you know, this is, Doug, I have to tell you, right, because as a partner and an owner of our firm, and I think about how this process played out, I have to believe that there are going to be many, many companies out there because the banks seem to have been very aggressive in the, in the pursuit of, establishing these loans. I know our bank was. Well, they we, got good they got they made good money on these loans. Well, these that's incredible. Yeah, and that so this is the thing, right? You know, as a firm, obviously we did not uh, apply. And there were many reasons, a lot of what which you just articulated. You know, the concern is that it seems to me that as these things continue to to come to fruition, as the companies get identified as companies that did not necessarily need to take this money that have Right. We're going to be in a, a, a very challenging situation. I mean, and, and so what you're saying here is if, if you're the client, right, the next steps, what do you do? Okay, we, we've taken the loan. What do I do now? Right. And it seems to me, right, what you're talking about here is, is documentation. Documentation. And, and, and maybe expand just a little bit because this is another, uh, for, for the advisors, financial advisors out there that are listening to this conversation, this is, again, highlighting the partnership with Mueller Pros. If your clients 
need the resource to help. And I'm assuming, Doug, that this is something you're doing for your clients. You're helping them with these projections. Maybe talk a little bit about that because I want the advisor base to understand that, you know, if their client, their business owner clients have questions about this, they certainly can connect the Mueller pros and you folks will be able to help them out. First of all, have them feel free to go to our our website at at MuellerPros.com and look at our COVID-19 hotline spreadsheet. And there's topics on this. And we just posted today, uncertainty is necessary for PPP loans. And and, and that walks through what, what we're talking about now. But you know, we're not in a position in a lot of times to tell clients whether or not they should keep the loan or not, because we don't know all the facts. What we're telling you, the clients out there is if, and by the way, the other thing, Jason, everybody needs to understand is, and they probably don't understand this, and this is not an assumption, but everybody will know this will be public record who got the PPP loan and who didn't. That will become public record. So people will be able to find out. So if you, for optic reasons in your business, don't want to ever let anybody know that you did get this loan for some reason, then you better give it back because this is going to become public record. And and it's also, uh, if you really don't need the loan and you're admitting that in front of your CFO and, you know, and things look absolutely, and some businesses, Jason, are, admittedly doing very, very well during this crisis. I mean, depending, I mean, obviously, you know, the big ones are Amazon and all these other people, but I mean, there are different medium size. I mean, the grocery stores are, are, you know, I make my, I ask my local grocery store, they're doing seven times their weekly average now during COVID-19. I mean, think about it. Kids aren't at school. People aren't at work, eating out of restaurants. They're working from home. Where are they going? They're going to the grocery store for the most part. Now they are doing take home and for the restaurants, things of nature. So there are some businesses and there's already attorneys doing whistleblower programs and seminars to give incentivize people to be a whistleblower to turn people in who should, who should have not kept the COVID-19, who should not have kept the PPP loan money. And that's a scary thought, too, to have attorneys involved like that. But, you know, for most of us, Jason, for most businesses out there, this has been a tremendous drain on the economy. I mean, unemployment's at an all-time high since the Great Depression. So do the projection. Look out at your receivables. You may have gotten paid this last month really well, but your production's down. And if you're a 60, 30 to 60-day lag on your collections, it's going to show up 30 to 60 days from now, not in two, not in four weeks. And so you need to project that and show that to the bank. Because what happens here is that you, at the end of the eight weeks, you ask for forgiveness to your bank, to your bank. And they're going to, and all the banks are going to be a little bit different on this. And then they're going to turn it into the SBA. And the SBA has already said anybody over $2 million loan is going to be audited to determine forgiveness. Now, between you and me, there's a lot of $2 million loans out there with all the billions of dollars being lent. I, I can't, uh, personally, I, I can't see how they're possibly gonna get those audits done. I could be wrong, but don't, but just assume if you're over 2 million that you're gonna get audited as well. So that scares people too. And what I'm saying is, 
if you're justifiably going through and your projections show you're going through a hard time and you would have laid people off as a knee-jerk reaction, but now you're keeping people because of the loan, then document this. Put together cash flow projections. If you don't know how, we can help walk you through that or we'll even help you with our CFO services. We get clients all over the country that we're providing these services to, Jason. And that's the point I really want to get across because I think that's a key, right? When I think about the individual that runs a local restaurant, when I think about the guy who runs a dry cleaning business, you know, these are typically individuals that don't have that capability. They don't have a CFO. They don't have somebody within their organization that can identify or build, for example, cash flow projections, right? And so that's the part I think where a financial advisor can come into their client and say, look, we can help you here, you know, through this process. Because if you're running the small local restaurant, if you're running one of these small local businesses where it's kind of, you're the chief cook and bottle washer in this place and you have right. 15 employees, when, when somebody comes to you and says, listen, you got to make sure that you have all this documentation in place. You have all the ability to, to outline kind of cash flow projections for your business. This is something that most of those businesses don't have readily available. So I think it's really important, Doug, for people to understand, like we have a resource here. Right. If, you, if you're an advisor out there and that's your client, And like I, you know, part of the reason why I think it's such an important discussion is because this is really an opportunity for the financial advisor to be kind of incredibly valuable in their community, to bring these types of resources to their, to their business owner clients because they need it. And the truth is, Doug, gosh, we started talking about this as soon as a program uh, hit the streets. Right. And there's been so many changes since the inception. And I feel like- Keep moving the goalposts. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's very important for everybody to understand that, you know, that that's a, a capability that they have. They, uh, they did make another change, Jason, I should make light of as long as we've got our audience in there. And that is some owners have been frustrated that they have let some people go and now business is on the uptick. They've got the loan proceeds. They're putting people back to work. And now they go back to the people they've laid off and they want them to come back and the work and they say no. And why are they saying no? Well, they're saying no because they're getting state unemployment benefits plus the federal unemployment benefits. They may be making, in theory and in their minds, more money now staying at home, but they're risking their full-time job by doing it. So the IRS said, if you made a written offer to that employee and they turned you down, by the way, have that in writing as well, then we won't ding you for a loan forgiveness and the loan forgiveness calculation because you didn't hire that person back. We'll give you a break. So that's new. And so uh, now I don't know if people know that, but employers are obligated also to contact the state, you know, unemployment agency and let them know that they are back in business and they offered that person a job because in theory, that person's no longer entitled to unemployment. The other thing, Jason, unemployment compensation is taxable income and there's no withholding on it. So these people that think, you know, a lot of people, when they work at a job, they get withholdings out of their paycheck. So when they take their net check home, it's for the most part, most of that's their money. This, this unemployment compensation is gross. It's there's no withholdings on it. They're going to have to owe federal and state income taxes on that by the end of the year. So there's a little bit of false security of how much money they are quote making on the unemployment compensation. There's, so they're, they're going to owe taxes on that money and they better prepare, put some money aside now, or there could be in a, could be in a, you know, a problem come time next, next April 15th. And there, here's another thing on cash flow, Jason, 
this year's April 15th deadline got pushed to July 15th. So a lot of people's cash flow for their 19, 2019 taxes, it's not hit yet. They're going to have to come up and cut a check probably for on July 15th for 2019, plus their first and second quarter of 2020, if they made any kind of income. And let's say they did, that's due on July 15th. So they owe 2019 taxes. If they owe on July 15th of 2020, plus the first or second quarter, they owe three different payments on July 15th of 2020. Are they factoring that in on their cash flow? If not, they need to. What about, you know, because there's there's been some di- dialogue, right, about being fearful of the of the bank, of the lending institution, or what type of considerations today should somebody be asking for right now from from either from their banks, maybe their landlords, you know, those types of things. What if you were talking to a business owner, what type of considerations? Well, do those they be those for? are two of the largest, you know, you got payroll, you got lending, and you got rent. So payroll, you're going to hopefully work somehow with your PPP loan. If you're not getting a PPP loan, then you're taking advantage of the government programs on not, you're, you don't have to pay the employer match on the social security. You might even get a tax credit if you're paying people, uh, if you were partially shut down or if your gross receipts are down 50% compared to last year. So there's some credits there, but you got, that leaves, that leaves the rent and the debt left. Love the landlord. Let's talk about the landlord. Most landlords want to hear from you as to how you're doing rather than not hear from you at all. So if you're going to want some rent abatement or rent deferral, depending on your situation, now's the time to ask because they're ready for it. They know it's coming. They'd rather not, and they'd rather you be proactive. They would rather work with someone who's proactive and maybe they're adding the rent on the back end of the lease or maybe getting a rent adjustment currently. And they would much rather work with you, somebody who's proactive, rather than just not pay the landlord, not say anything, and then six months from now, you're dealing with it. By that time, the landlord assumes, doesn't know what to think. Maybe you're doing well, just taking advantage of him. Who knows what these guys think? And so it's better to be proactive with your landlord and ask for things now because they can plan for it and they can get their finances in order. Uh, with the banks, you know, not everybody, but a lot of, a lot of people can be intimidated by their bankers. First of all, some of those have just worked with the PPP loan. Let me let me remind all the closely held business owners and advisors out there: the banks didn't have to didn't have to scrutinize your financials or anything to make you this loan. They can rely on your certification, which the SBA is making us do. So, from the bank's perspective, they weren't going to do any digging on this. So, if you might say, "Well, the bank made me the loan, so I must be good." No, you can't think that. It's your responsibility to go back and do what Jason and I just talked about and run through the necessity of the loan and do some cash flow projections. But once you've done that and you really do need to do cash flow projections, if it's going to show you're going to have some downtime with your banker, now's the time to go to the banker. And if it shows that you're going to have some tough times, see if you can do some deferral on your loan restructuring, on your loan payments or drop your interest rates or a combination of both. Now's the time to ask 
you never ask, you'll never get. And so now if you can't support it with your projections, because the banks are going to ask, well, can we, why are you asking for this? What are you seeing? Then be prepared to have these. So these projections you're running for the PPP program and these projections ought to work. You ought to be COVID response projections. How are you getting through COVID-19? It ought to be looked at, you know, maybe not daily, but maybe weekly or biweekly. You update your plan because you just never know things. A day seems like a week under this COVID-19 sometimes, Jason. I mean, and, and the rules are changing so fast. There's so much change coming on so fast. And then now we're trying to reassimilate back into our economy. And that's going to be hit and, hit and miss for different businesses, right? In different states, depending mm-hmm. where you live. So updating your plan is going to be a constant challenge, but it's also a necessity that you need to do to really manage your business. Yeah. And Doug, listen, th- th- this is such um, welcome words of wisdom for the people out there that are listening to this, whether it be a business owner or a financial advisor that has clients that, you know, are these are all questions and all real concerns in this environment that have to be discussed and addressed. And, and you know, um, we it, it's so interesting because of where we are when we when we first developed this partnership. I'm just going to real quickly kind of wrap up and set up the next conversation that we're yeah, going to have Doug, because sure. I really want. I mean, this is obviously this is what's in front on the you know on the fr- front of everybody's mind, and this is these are real significant issues, real life issues uh, for small businesses who basically you know a lot of these folks. Um, many of you know them. I mean, you're, you're you're talking to one of them right now who's speaking to you that, right. that put all of themselves into something to start something to to uh, to be able to create opportunities for other people right. uh, that are really experiencing all these things and they're really in an environment where they just don't they don't even know where to turn a, a, a lot of them. I, I just right. keep going back to this discussion around you know cash flow projections and thinking about some of the business owners that I personally know. And just the thought of having to create something like that is overwhelming, you know, and, and that, you know, they got pressed by their banker to take the loan. They took the loan and now they're sitting there and probably are scared to death because they're going to have to come up with all of this documentation and they have no idea how to do it. Right. So, you know, again, this is incredibly uh, timely. I do really at some point want Doug to get to the audience part of the, initial conversation that we had, which is some of the other things that you do from a, from a tax credit perspective. You know, we talk about these research credits and other things. So I want to set the stage for that because that's something I think that's very important as we get into, we've been talking about this, that you brought it up on multiple occasions for us. And, you know, we, from a, from a perspective of planning have been suggesting to our distribution, obviously the deficits are untenable, right? I mean, it's just, you're in a place where you, you have to believe that what I call three-dimensional planning, right? Two-dimensional planning for an advisor being kind of asset management, talking about how to allocate somebody's investment portfolio. Three-dimensional planning, from my perspective, is really planning incorporative of tax with income tax in mind. And Absolutely. We feel, yeah. And we feel like that's in the future, you know, we, we are going to be in a situation uh, Uncle where- Sam's your partner on all your cash flow one way or another, but there's so many ways, Jason, that your industry can help clients minimize that or even eliminate it in some respects. 
with products. I mean, a lot of clients don't realize I can borrow cash free from a life insurance policy. I mean, you and your your agents and advisors might think, oh, that's ridiculous. They know that. No, they don't. Right. They right. don't know that. Yeah. They well, you're, you're, all, that's they've coming taught, all they've been taught is to put money into 401ks. Now, am I saying not put money into 401ks? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there's other ways. Right. And taxes are going to go up. I mean, I don't care who's president. I mean, right. now look, look, look at the budget deficits we got. It's going to crowd out money for programs. They're going to make cuts, but they're going to probably raise taxes. I mean, I would be a betting man. I would bet taxes are going to go up in the future, not go down. Right. If that's the case. Then our jobs with our clients are to enlighten them on what alternatives are there because they just assume retirement planning is a 401k. Right. Right. And that was a thought process. And then real quickly, if you could, Doug, just touch on the expertise really that brought us together here, which is this idea around tax credits, because I do want to dive into that. I want to, at some point, I think maybe the next call, we can get kind of deep into it. But if you could add just a real quickly at a high level, as we wrap up, talk about that segment of Mueller Prost of, of your business and what you do with regard to tax credits. At, at a high level, there is a federal and state Half the more than half the states have this credit, and it's a credit. That means if we go in and find a a dollar's worth of credit, it comes dollar for dollar off your taxes. It's a complete savings. It's much better than a deduction. It's a credit, and this is not income. So this is a federal income tax refund. If we find four hundred thousand dollars of federal income tax refunds, is that income to you? No, it is not. It's tax free income. So what ha- and we get to go, if you've never taken this credit, this is a credit for improving processes and products and techniques. So what businesses are we talking about? Well, mostly manufacturing uh, and, and tool, tool and die, mold making in any way, uh, startup businesses, tech businesses, anybody running software anymore that's proprietary to inter- interact with clients and customers. So those businesses can qualify for a massive amount of federal and state credits. If you haven't claimed those, we can go back and help you show you how it works, document the documentation you need and obtain those credits tax-free. And it's in some respects, it's a very heavily based engineering credit. What we did, Jason, years ago is set us apart from the entire country. Uh, we went out and hired experienced engineers and we taught them the tax law. And now we send out our engineers to clients, engineers, and software people, and they interact. A, they communicate better than us accounting geeks do. B, we get, we get better data. C, we hardly get any adjustment blowback from the IRS if there's any audit because our audits are so well done. So that gives clients a lot of confidence. And We've got the ex-IRS National Office Territorial Manager who is retired from the IRS and the RNE area on our staff. And the reason we, and he's chosen us, which is quite a compliment, sometimes we run into clients who go, well, this is too good to be true. And I go, well, then why don't you talk to the ex-IRS Territorial National Manager manager in the RNE area, and he'll tell you whether or not this is for real or not, because he used to be on the other side of the table trying to fight anything I would put in front. And he was so impressed with our quality because he's an engineer too. He said, you guys are doing it right. You're doing an engineering based approach. So that's what we did. So um, we go all across the country, Jason, doesn't matter. And here's, and so your clients might, and your advisors might say, yeah, but we got to pay you guys to come in. No, you don't. 
We'll come in on our own nickel, see if there's anything there. There's nothing there, we'll tell you. Um, we're not going to risk our license to tell you there's a refund there uh, when there's not. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, there's refunds there. And again, those federal and state refunds are income tax free. They can help a work. And this is all about cash flow, Jason. This is all about keeping capital in the business. That's what the working man, that's even what the legislator does admit. So many clients of ours, if they're growing, they made $300,000 this year in income. And a lot of men on the street goes, oh, he's got $300,000 in his pocket. No, he doesn't. He might have 60000 in his pocket. The rest is in receivables and equipment and new jobs and growing. I mean, he's got, he, he's got to keep track of all that. And so he's not putting three hundred dollars in his pocket. He's, he's got 240000 in the business. It's about cash flow and working capital. This is a great segue, and that'll be our next conversation, Doug. So uh, for for everybody out there that's listening, we're going to dig deeper into that because I think, again, it's a tremendous value. And you think about it, okay, what what Doug's saying is, look, this is really – think about what this is for a financial advisor. We're going to come in and do this for your client. There's no cost initially. By the way, we get most of our referrals from other CPAs. We we're not going to take that relationship away from the local CPA. If anything, we're going to augment our relationship and make it stronger. And to be honest, Jason, most of the time we go in and, and that local CPA goes, Hey, I've got five other clients. Can you help me on those two? Right. I mean, we'll let him do the tax returns. We'll teach him how to do it. If he hasn't done it before, this is win-win. Yeah. There's, there's, it's a, it's a win-win across the board, win-win. which again, Doug, listen, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate these, these chats and what this means really for our distribution, their clients, you know, your insight is invaluable. Your partnership is invaluable. I appreciate you more than I can say, man. And we'll tee up for the next time. We'll get into the tax credits the next time. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming together with us this afternoon. Man. Sounds great, Jason. Thanks for having me on today. God bless you guys.